Meeting of the Men and Women Zone Directors, Kara, Union with God, Second Theme. Now, I'm going to speak to you the second hymn on union with God. We always say, let's keep Jesus in our midst. And in this moment, I can do my part by speaking to all of you together. And you can do your part by listening to me. Through this reciprocal love, we have Jesus in the midst. But through this reciprocal love, we also love our neighbor. I love you, brothers and sisters. And you love me, your sister. So after this hour together, you should live here with a greater union with God. You might not realize it at once, maybe later when you pray, but this is what should happen. Let's begin. This is the second day of our spiritual exercises. Today, too, we will speak of union with God. As I said yesterday, I will post after its thought so that we can reflect on what was read and compare it with our way of living. If you have time to write down, it will be an opportunity to progress in our spiritual life and give us something to share during the communion of souls that will follow. Yesterday, we spoke of union with God and love of neighbor and of union with God and Jesus forsaken. Today, we'll begin with this theme, Union with God and Suffering. Someone might point out that in Jesus for a second, it is possible to recognize all sufferings, and this is undoubtedly true. But in our history, this was not always so clear. In the early days, we thought of Jesus for a second, especially in the disunities and attachments, the traumas, loneliness. It was only later that we stated more clearly that in Jesus' abandonment, he lived all material and spiritual trials. This explains why some diaries from the past years speak simply of union with God and suffering. But not always. Actually, the first diary I will read already speaks of Jesus forsaken. The first diary of union with God and suffering is not dated, but it surely goes back decades. It is a page that is well known and already published, and I had decided not to include it here. I wanted to use new material. But in, in view of what follows, I wanted to include at least a few verses because this subject is so important for us. Here they are. I have found you in many places, Lord in the perfect stillness of an alpine church, in the shadowy tabernacle of an empty cathedral. I have found you in joy. I look for you and often find you, but I always find you in suffering. Suffering, any kind of suffering, is like the chiming bell calling God's bride to prayer. This is true, Poppy, because everyone runs to prayer at the sound of the bell. In our life, as soon as suffering appears, we immediately go with Jesus. It's a beautiful comparison. When the shadow of the cross appears, the soul recollects itself in its inner tabernacle and it sees you. 
and it speaks with you. You are the one who comes to visit me. I am the one who answers you. Here I am, Lord. I want you. You are the one I wanted. In this meeting, my soul does not feel its suffering anymore, but it is always drunk from your love, filled with joy, in you, you, in me. We can see that there was already that alchemy because things change, and this is the way. In this case, because you are the one who comes to visit me, Jesus comes, and what do I say to him? I welcome him. I love him. Here I am, Lord. I want you. You are the one I wanted. So that the alchemy already existed, even though we didn't speak of it yet. In a diary from 1961, written in a difficult moment, there is a longing for a fuller union with God. The diary says, Lord, I have always tried to love you on the cross whenever its shadows darken my life, whenever its appearance upset my peace. Then, called fortunately by that sudden suffering to your divine presence, I told you that I wanted it, that I wanted you, indeed, that for me it was the most beautiful moment of my day. And I would get up again, slowly reconciled to the idea of continuing along the way of life's Calvary. But when you came today, Lord, I understood just how weak my love for you still is, how slow my response. Grant that as soon as I see you, in that very instant, I may fill with you who are emptiness, the emptiness of my heart and the hearts of those who live with me, so that your kingdom in me and among us may always reign and strong, and full, and overflowing, may we always work to bring the world back to you. A diary from 1971 expresses the ardent desire to encounter Jesus intimately within oneself, even when there is no suffering. And it might happen, as stated here, that God responds. The diary. It is in suffering that we find you, Lord. But I do not want to wait for that. I want union with God with you now. I remember that once when the joys were like particles of dust that enveloped me and prevented me from seeing you with luminosity, I wasn't able to come close to you with simplicity. Thus, the desire for tragic moments, mindful also of the fact that death is always near, so as to restore equilibrium to the soul. To the soul. Now, thanks to I don't know what grace I find you, and I feel that I can say that I find you always whenever I want. Therefore, I love you now. I give you the peace I have, the small sufferings I have, the joy I have, the expectations I have. Everything is fit and useful for loving you. In 1999, there is a confirmation of what I said. We repeat that with time, we can find God also in joy. In any case, it is always good to remember that our great chance for union with God is found in suffering. Here is a diary. 
I notice that now I find I find God directly and constantly also in good health, for example, and with Him everything comes together within me in peace, harmony, and joy, faculties, psychological and physical forces. Everything is spontaneously oriented towards union with God. Perhaps it is the effect of the habit acquired through the constant spiritual training required by the ideal. In a diary from 1997, there are very important statements for being able to rightly judge the various moments of our day. It says, God works in people in different ways, for example, with love. He makes you see how very wonderful your way is. He suggests beautiful inspiration. In His providence, He sends you many gifts and so forth. But He works in you also through suffering. In fact, the Gospel says, unless a grain of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains just a grain of wheat. But if it dies, it produces much fruit, and dying is suffering. The Father prunes a tree that bears fruit. This too is suffering. Whoever loses his life, it's suffering. If anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself, suffering, and take up his cross, suffering daily, and follow me. Always that speak of suffering. What? Why does he use suffering? Because if we embrace it, we see further that we do enjoy, just as we can, the stars at night when the sun disappears. We see further, I comment, in the sense that we understand more about these mysteries. We know more, but knowing more is the premise for loving more, for growing union with God. The suffering Jesus asked for in his gospel is to be blessed. Now we begin another part of this second theme entitled Union with God and Mary Desolate. Ever since the 60s, just take 43 years ago, all the movement has felt prompted by the Holy Spirit to contemplate Mary desolate and to see her as our model. Even then, Mary desolate had a very great role in our journey of perfection. Why? For two main reasons. First, because in Mary, who loses Jesus, her God, when he dies on the cross and is replaced by John, we have a very luminous example of how we created beings can imitate Jesus forsaken. Second, because of Marian vocation in which Mary has exceptionally important role. The first diary on Mary Desolate is from 1964. It speaks of her living in solitude, of the fascination of her being face to face alone with God alone. We wanted to leave Mary desolate, absolutely, as much as possible, in her total solitude, which lifted her to union with God. To Him alone are directed all her faculties, all her thoughts, works, and intentions. And this is the diary. In church, when I was a bit distracted, distracted by a number of things, I stopped to give to God what is God's, the half hour of meditation, and to repeat to Him in the fear that something else might be of interest to me, 
Nothing else is worthwhile. Nothing else is worthwhile. Nothing else is is worthwhile. And that rosary of repeated phrases seems to cleanse my soul, bring it to a deeper purification. Solitude, therefore, knowing that everything around me is an abyss, just as it is around the peak of Mount Cervino, and that to lean on anything is to lean on the void into which we can fall headlong. Then, in that divine solitude, to find in union with God the ideal relationship with everyone. In 1968, the, diary, the desolate is considered as a mold of form or form of sanctity. The diary. If I falter ever so often, if I sometimes feel I am not anchored to something stead, steady while following the path of my existence, and if I live carried along by circumstances, a life lived in the service of the movement, but without the certainty of belonging totally to God, then this causes me suffering. I am like someone who is unsure in a rough sea. I look for you, my God. I look for a means which will give me you fully and securely. I look for something which fills everything and allows nothing. It is that me which is annoying, as though I bore an illness in my body which I don't know how to free myself. Then, in the circumstances, I remember the splendor of a discovery, a discovery which gave me the certainty of being able to live for holiness, married desolate as the mold of perfection in which to place myself. Another un undated diary on Mary Desolate, the desolate and the, and the present moment as we're living today with the help of the password. The diary. Mary Desolate gives us the certainty of holiness. She is the everlasting source of union with God, a vase overflowing with joy. Mary Desolate. To imitate her, I must mortify all the words, thoughts, and deeds which are outside the moment of God in order to set them like jewels in the moment reserved for them. Mary desolate. Again, in 1968, it is written that by living the desolate, the gifts of God are given their proper place. The Diary In order to reach perfect union with God, we need to look at Mary desolate. We may have let go of everything, we may not be attached to anything, but something may still remain which we believe we can possess and ought to display, something we can be pleased about, God's gifts. Also the charism. If Mary Desolate sacrificed God for God, we must know how to lose God's gifts for God. Therefore, we shouldn't stop to consider them, but only to make them fruitful, not fill our soul with spiritual pride in admiring them, but empty it so that it may be filled with God's Spirit. It's a conversion that many of us must make as individuals, as a community, and as a movement, if the movement or individual persons have gifts, these are talents to be put to good use. But then we must forget them, 
put aside in order to be solely love for the for the people and the other works of the church, the other movement, movements, of, for example, and love things about beloved, not about itself. In short, we must look at God. Isn't it true that our attitude is often like someone who looks with love and familiarity at a draw, drawer full of jewels, but does not have the same attitude towards the donor? To have this attitude towards the one who gave them, we must take our eyes off the drawer. In another diary from 1968, Mary Desolate is seen as one who is full of God. In loving her, the suffering disappears through that alchemy we speak of as happens when we love Jesus forsaken. The Diary So I've returned from Einsiedeln with a desire in my heart to imitate Mary Desolate as the teacher of my ideal. But I felt that I had to underline above all her being one, one who is full of God, which we attain. Therefore, I would like to give up not only all that God asked me to give up in order to imitate her, but to let go of everything always in every moment, to put aside all that is not God and His will in the present moment. By doing so, I have the fullness of God and in Him delight. It is that alchemy that guides my soul also towards the realization of my design. We can really say, in God's plan for her, the desolate, I find my own, living Mary desolate. Every detachment from the good I have done will be a contribution to building Mary, in myself and in all the others. In a diary of 1981, we see how the desolate also teaches detachment from too much joy over something that is not God. The diary. May 3rd is approaching. It was an important day. And I'm afraid that I too may be carried away by enthusiasm and lose union with God. That the mainspring that keeps me linked to Jesus might loosen within me. I must be careful not to give value to anything except the will of God. Therefore, to lose like Mary Desolate. This last diary on the desolate is from a short while ago. It was very important for me because it has been my desire for decades to present myself to God on that day, holy, in order to give a gift to Mary. I have asked this of Jesus for a second in the morning. Every morning I ask, because you are forsaken, give me the grace to be holy in order to give a small gift to Mary. One fine day recently, I perceived the answer. Love as the desolate. Haven't you always seen her as a model of sanctity, as a masterpiece of virtue? Everything was simplified. Mary desolate means nothingness in order to be full of God. I will have to be her then, losing everything, everything, everything. Deny yourself and embracing suffering. Take up your cross. It is my second Eureka. I had already spoken about a certain Eureka, which was Jesus for a second. The desolate is my second Eureka.
And now, a third part of the second theme entitled Union with God and what brings it about. We begin now to speak of union with God and what brings it about. The diary is from 1965, April 14th. I have experienced, I explain now, and more than once, that unity with the Holy Father leads to a special union with God. Indeed, it seems to suggest that this unity brings the person to unity with God as the very center, as St. Teresa says. She says that God dwells at the center of the soul. This is what it's written. Ever since we have become so grafted into the church through our approval and encounter with the Holy Father, we were approved in 1965. Sam has been ardently calling me from within the depths of my soul to unite myself to him. It is you, my God, at the thought of you, even in the midst of busy shopping streets in Rome, wherever I am, my soul is deeply moved. And there is an oasis within which attracts me like only kingdom of peace, of love, so different, so different from all the rest. You call me again and again. You draw me. You want me. When the soul is is in this disposition, you are the only person for it. And how great our sins and imperfections and unnecessary words seem to be when sin in your presence, pardon me, my God. I was waiting for this union because what other purpose could there be in our unity with everyone, even with your holy vicar? Expect that increasing union with you? And I ask you to assist him in reaching the greatest glory with his sanctity. I wanted to say that one of the causes of having union with God is unity with the Pope, who is our superior, our superior superiors, and with others with our superiors. And I think that also with the superiors in the heart of the movement, if we have this full unity with them, it happens with them too. This too is very important, even though it might seem to be on another level. Another diary from 1965 says that giving priority to the practices of piety favors union with God. We have Mass, meditation, the rosaries, the visit to the Blessed Sacrament, all these things. We must put them in the first place. For several days, my thoughts have been concentrated on this idea. All of us must put the porro unum, the one thing necessary in the first place, that is our prayer life. It is there before our spouse that we obtain the oil for the flame of love which must keep burning in our hearts of our for our neighbors, for the crosses we need to bear, for both the sad and pleasant circumstances we encounter. Yes, even for pleasant circumstances, because there are times when they are even more dangerous than painful ones, since they can lead us away from true simple union with God, where He Himself reigns. If at times we are sharp with our neighbors, we are harsh and uncaring, the reason is that our souls feel alone in the absence of Him who loves us. This same idea is emphasized in a diary from 1967. The practices of piety brings us, brings us back to union with God. 
I am reading about St. Lawrence Justiniani, the Holy Patriarch of Venice, whom John XXIII wanted to elevate to the title of Doctor of the Church. Among other things, he, a monk, denounced all the grave evils into which the monks had fallen. Anger, lust, and rebellion against discipline, obedience, penance, vows, and community life, which, instead of a place where angels live, had become a center of calumny and produces, producer of disunity. St. Lawrence singled out a remedy because he had found the cause of all this, lack of union with God, and so he urged them to return to the practice of piety. According to St. Lawrence, and how true it is, this is the way, only way that also activity and penance acquire their real value. It's what Jesus tells us in the depths of our heart. He calls us over and over again to work out our prayer life, to be united with Him, and then, in His hands, to devote ourselves to all the rest of our life. Dear Poppy, this is all for today, but we will continue with this subject, what causes union with God tomorrow, and we'll go on to other subjects as well. I wanted to tell you something. You see, these brief passages are important. The final one would be enough. I am convinced that we have all made an examination of conscience that our practices of piety are not really as they should be. So this would be enough. If we, could, if we would give priority to practices of piety, I think we would like to know something. I'm preparing it for tomorrow. It's about that. what I told you yesterday when I said that union with God is something you can feel. I'd like to explain how you can feel it. I th the different ways that I might know from experience or for experience of some of you or from the experience of saints above all, according to our world way. So I'll tell you about this tomorrow. It will be the third day of our spiritual exercises. Ciao.